who the hell gets called by Miley Cyrus and her team to come join their team? Nobody. So the fact that I literally made that happen is mind blowing. It's Taylor. Welcome back to season two of Girl Gaze Resilience Required. As we continue to navigate through these crazy times, I want to play a part in curing your Sunday scaries with refreshingly relatable and inspirationally insightful girl gazers. When I started the second season a few weeks ago, you may have noticed that I changed my intro to be mindful and sensitive toward this current situation we're all living in. But I've literally spent the last two months quarantining at home on Long Island with my two younger siblings, both of my parents and my dog. So it's a full house over here. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to cure my Sunday scaries with a new episode and a mimosa, but hold the OJ. I felt so good to say that was my original intro. (laughs) So guys, as you prepare your drink, let me introduce you to today's guest, Olivia Rudensky. But before I do, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Please leave a five-star written review if you haven't already. And go check out the Instagram at GirlGazePod for some killer content. Our team has really been doing an amazing job lately, and I'm so proud of them. Without further ado, Olivia is a digital marketing and talent manager at Maverick Management, living out her dreams in LA. She works with talent including Miley Cyrus, Haley Baldwin Bieber, Noah Cyrus, and Little Nas X, just to name a few. Olivia and I met back in Syracuse when we were freshmen in college. I think that was like five years ago, which is crazy because it makes me feel a little old. <laughs> It's so, oh my God, time is just flying. I know. (laughs) A lot has went down since then, so we have a lot to catch up on. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, yes. I'm Olivia. Um, I'm from Long Island, New York, but I live in LA now. I'm actually 24 years old. I can't believe I'm getting older because I started so young, so I always kind of had that like, oh, I'm only 16. (laughs) You know, so it's so funny to like actually like, enter an age that it's it's normal to be in the real world um but yeah so i went to syracuse for two years and then ended up dropping out and moving to la um i'm actually quarantining back on long island just because when things started to get a little crazy i didn't know if i would be able to cope alone in an apartment um in la so i'm really happy that i ended up coming home cool This episode is literally going to feel like you guys are listening in on two friends chatting about career and life stuff that we would normally talk about regardless of this podcast. Today, we'll get into how Olivia got started in her career, what it's like to work in the digital space with celebrities, and the effect social media has on your mental health, and so much more. But before we get started, I'm re-implementing something back into the pod that I like to call a gaze of the week. In season one, I always ask my guests to express a gaze of the week, which is basically just a thought or realization, big or small, that you've reflected on during this quarantine. Oh my God. I feel like every single week has been such a big learning experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think every everyone's going through their own struggle. And for me, I've been trying to find those like silver linings from everything and every single day. So I think there's been different phases of quarantine. And this week I was thinking about what's going to happen when this is over. And I have to go back to LA because I've kind of adjusted to Long Island and living back in my childhood home and, you know, walking and do, biking every day where I don't really do that in LA. So I kept thinking about like, what is the, how am I going to implement all these things when I get back to LA? And I realized, um, 
LA for me, I've been there three years now and LA for me was always career comes first and my mental health comes second because the, I, I moved for a job. So essentially LA has been this one long business trip, even though it's been three years. So I'm always focused on what I need to get done that day, kind of hustling, making sure I'm out at every event, any showcase. I mean, the music industry entertainment is constantly moving and so fast paced. So, and then, and then come second would be, you know, my mental health. And then on the weekends trying to shut off, but we live such a 24 seven lifestyle that you don't always get to get, to get to do that. So I think what I realized is right now is the first time I've actually prioritized myself where I've been working since I was 16 years old. So everything has always been career driven and that was always coming first. I never thought about myself first. So yeah. So realizing that this week that like, this is that one time that many people get to really focus on their mental health their physical health and everything within that. And then, you know, getting their job done on their own time and, you know, getting into that good headspace where they can be creative. And, you know, especially for me, that's kind of what I've been realizing this week. Yeah. When you turn the news on, it can be very overwhelming, but when you put everything in perspective and really think about the things that you can be grateful for, including putting yourself first for once and like having the time to put a face mask on at the end of the day, if that's what your self-care looks like. <laughs> So I totally agree with you. It's also hard for me to put my self-care first as well in terms of just like shutting off. I don't know about you, but I feel like most creatives tend to have their mind turning all day and all night. Like I create, I have creative surges at night when I'm trying to go to bed. So sometimes I have bad insomnia. So it's hard to shut off. And today I realized something. So I was in my pool today. It was a beautiful day. I feel extremely lucky and, you know, more grateful than ever to have a backyard. I blew up this cute unicorn float, was relaxing, playing music. (laughs) And it was great for like a solid 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden I had this urge to go check my phone. It was like separation anxiety from my phone. And I've basically been glued to my phone this entire quarantine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm actually kind of scared to look at my screen time. I I refuse to look at it because I feel like the number is going to be like unacceptable. (laughs) (laughs) So I realized that I really need to find activities that force me to get off of my phone to actually give my brain a break. 100%. It's so funny because since the start of quarantine, I've been finding many ways that Mm -hmm. um, I can shut my brain off, which I realize you're constantly thinking. And in LA, I started to kind of kind of get a, a, some sort of a balance. But now that I'm in quarantine, I realize it wasn't a real balance. When I would, sh- I would, I would call myself my brain shutting off me going to a coffee shop in the morning before work yeah. and getting into the office around 11. But when I was at that coffee shop, I was still on my phone, texting, coming up with ideas, listening to music, you know, on call, but I'm doing it from a coffee shop. So, you know, my creativity is, you know, in a really good space, but that that's not shutting off. So once I realized that, especially during this time of like doing my walk. So I, you know, I walk all day cause I do all my call. I you walk 10 miles, right? Is that what you're saying to me? 10 miles a day. Cause I've been just piling on all these calls, whether it's a work call or it's a catch up call with someone, which technically can tie back to work. I've just been scheduling it. And then next thing I know, I'm just walking all day because I can't do it in my house. I feel the most creative outside when the weather is nice. I need to be outside. So, so, and that's not necessarily shutting off my brain, but that's again, like that coffee shop thing where I'm doing it in a really healthy, happy environment. Um, but you know, once I realized it, there was one week during quarantine where I was having a really hard time and I realized, oh my God, I just haven't really shut off. Even if I'm 
happy and walking. I'm not shutting off. So I kind of, I kind of sat with myself and I was like, what are things that really turn off my brain? And all of a sudden I just had this craving to read my Harry Potter books again, which I read in third grade. (laughs) And I never reread it. And I was just like, I need to go find every Harry Potter book in my house. And I want to just dive back into that world. And it literally started changing like my day because I knew that I had a world to go into and just to sit there and read. And it wasn't making my brain move because I love to read. But a lot of the books I read are like self-help books, inspirational, related to work also. And I'm like, reading, reading those types of books isn't necessarily shutting your brain. It's making my brain work more. So Mm. I found that Harry Potter was kind of putting my brain on pause and like diving into this fantasy world that I didn't know I really needed. And from that, I just found all these different ways of shutting off, like even yoga and meditating. And, you know, I, I like never thought I'd be that person doing all of that, but you know, kind of just listening to my body and what my body needs every single day. And overall have just found this amazing balance 10 minutes a day, not use my phone and then going on a bike ride, not using my phone. And then I start my calls for the day and I get to a computer and you know, that's it. But just outlining that structure for myself. Totally. And I feel like that's something that I'm personally struggling with right now is finding that day-to-day structure because it's not like I'm in the city anymore. I'm not waking up at eight, whatever, going to, going on the subway, getting into work from blank to blank, you know, go home or get drinks with someone after work. I feel like there was just such a, an absolute structure pre-quarantine. Whereas now I'm like, okay, I need to kind of figure this out. Um, and in the beginning, it was totally fine. But now I'm at this point where I'm realizing my time management is not really great because I can be working on things all day long. And then I'm like, oh my God, like I didn't do X, Y, Z, or I didn't shut my brain off or I forgot to go on a walk today. Right. So yeah, I think it's just being very mindful about like intentionally implementing different things to like turn your brain off or reading. And 100%. I love everything that you were saying. <laughs> So in addition to incorporating those self-care activities into your routine, what does your daily work from home routine look like compared to pre-quarantine? Well, it's actually interesting because I've always been a work from home type of person. I am not an office person. I don't find listening to music or being creative about ideas helpful in an office space. I just, it's too, it's too like dry for me. Um, so when I did go into the office, you know, I, I, knew, I took my walks and I mean, we're in Beverly Hills, so it's mm. Just out, and you know, I get to. I love to just be outside. So, I, I in LA, I kind of had that structure. Like in the morning, I would get up, I'd go to the gym, work out, um, then sit at a coffee shop, listen to music, think up ideas, and that was almost the most creative part of my day. And then once I got into the office, it was almost like, when can I get out? When can I go home and cook and be creative again? Because I'm cooking and I'm on my own time, listening to music again. So it's like almost this crazy thing where I'm like. I've always had this battle. I'm like, I don't want to be in an office and not necessarily. I don't in LA. I don't need to, our, our jobs are kind of flexible, just, you know, artist management, you're, you're kind of always doing meetings and stuff. So, you know, I'll plan days where I will do meetings and my day at like three and I'm like, okay, I'm going, you know, I'm going home, I'm not going into the office. Yeah. So I kind of have that balance of office and work from home or work remotely. And just, you know, if I needed to be in New York for something, I'm just like, Hey, I'm working from New York for the week, but then, you know, scheduling meetings in the city and like packing my day. So it's just as exhausting. Um, but now it's weird that I'm just, I don't have anywhere else. It is just home. So I've actually really gotten to an amazing routine of like knowing what my cup of coffee in the morning is going to be like and being excited for that. And 
you know, checking the weather and kind of planning my day around that. If it says rain in the morning, then you know, I'll take it a little easy, chill inside, maybe do a workout inside, um, and then do calls later in the day. But really taking everything day by day has yeah. helped me so much. And again, I didn't even realize that this is the first time for me that I've actually been stuck in one place because my job is like, you can go to, you can be going on a flight to Australia the next week and there's no heads up, which is part of the excitement of working in music where you get those opportunities to just, Oh my God, you're going to Australia. Cool. Cool. And get on a flight. And that's not a problem. I love that. But this is the first time in my life where I'm able to plan my next day. Um, whether, and you know, maybe not the calls that's are, that's going to happen and the projects that are going to come about, but I know where I'm going to be. And I know when I'm starting my walk in the morning, where I'm having my coffee and that just feels amazing for me. Yeah. And, and the consistency I feel makes it feel normal. I, this, this new sense of normal that we're kind of like forced to restructure our lives with. Um, yeah, I totally want to get into your day-to-day responsibilities, but it feels most natural to start from the beginning. So why don't you start us off with your career journey, how it started and how you got to where you are today? How I got into the music industry. I always loved entertainment, always loved pop culture. Um, just, and also also learning from quarantine, not just pop culture and music, but also fandom. So, you know, reading my Harry Potter in third grade and really diving into that world, like really set has kind of shown itself now that I've fallen back into that fandom world experience. And I think I really understood the digital space pretty early on, just being kind of tech savvy at a really young age and being curious about the internet and, um, you know, the different platforms. So MySpace, and I was way too young to even I wasn't even on MySpace. (laughs) I was probably annoying all my sister's friends at the time, but um, just taking interest in it. And then Mm -hmm. I think Miley making a YouTube channel was the first time you ever saw a celebrity connecting to fans in that way in their like childhood bedroom and um you know just in a really a raw real place so she announced one day that she joined twitter so i'm like what's twitter and went to the platform and kind of played around what year was this again oh my god i was like 12 years old at the time um, oh all t- ages and everything and years are such a blur to me at this point but um it was right when twitter was launched and she was like follow me on twitter i'm like what's twitter i made my account like miley cyrus rocks launched a fan site i don't know and but like quickly figured out the platform and the community vibe to it and also connecting with other fans you know really just understanding this world and building on it and then it got to a point of um her following me loving the site from no relationship there was no connection that like told her about me it was literally her finding it on her own checking out the site um, and then hitting me up and being like, your website looks better than my website. You're dope. And that was the, so, so on top of the Twitter, you made a website for her. That's so embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like, it's so weird because it was almost like I was running like this massive community in a sense, because I had, you know, I wanted, I wanted breaking news on anything and everything Miley. So any press release that would go out when she'd be at a, a show, I would be the first one to be like, get that Google alert and, you know, have a post up and all the photos from every red carpet. And like, also really utilizing the features that were rolling out through Twitter. So like the search bar of like Miley, this premiere, and then finding people that were at that premiere and getting their content. So I had the exclusive exclusive because they weren't photographers pictures. Just just my brain was really, really in this like crazy environment as a fan and, and, and really understanding that it was building a community. 
she loved it. She started following me. Um, probably one of the only fans that she was following. And we started talking. She didn't know who I was, nothing about me, just that my icon was Miley, was her, and I was posting. And nothing. here you are, 12-year-old Olivia being like, holy shit, Miley. <laughs> following me maybe around 13 14 all the years are just a blur but at 16 years old she had me come meet her basically asked me what I wanted to do and I said I want to work in the music industry and she had me come out to LA and work with her team during bangers time so really helping her understand digital and and the trends that were happening and you know the things that are so valuable right now like streaming records and stuff was so new at that time so really just you know giving her an honest opinion as a fan I wasn't a professional in the music industry but she really appreciated my perspective on things um that was 16 and then fast Fast forward, I'm in Syracuse. I'm doing a bunch of other internships. I'm work, I, I start working with Haley Bieber, um, doing all this for my dorm room. And then her manager, Adam Lieber, called me. He's like, hey, whatever happened to you? And I mean, I was 21 at the time when he called me, sophomore year, I think 21. And I was like, hey, listen, like, I'm not a super fan. Like, I was, one, you know, running that fan account. Like, I'm now in college and starting to do cool jobs and internships. And he was like, no, 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 I want you to come out to LA and, and like reconnect with everybody. And I ended up yeah, um, dropping out after sophomore year and joining the management team full time. And that's kind of evolved into so many different projects and so many things that I'm just working on. I, I can't even give myself a title or a day-to-day type of job because it's my life is work because yeah. there's so many different types of things that I work on. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's my story. <laughs> Long story short. <laughs> so I'm curious, how how'd you make that decision to leave Syracuse? Because I feel like everyone's always saying, college is the best four years of your life, like all this stuff. So there must've been pressure to stay, but then also pressure to leave because this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah. Um, when he first asked me to come out to LA and drop out of college, um, I was kind of like, Oh yes, my dream job. Of course. Like I'm leaving. Bye. And then I thought about it and I came out to LA and LA to me was really intimidating. Um, especially being a young girl, just going out by herself. Um, It was scary walking around like Rodeo Drive and I was just like, this world is is not what I thought. Um, And I kind of got a little turned off by it. So I went back to school after that week of um, visiting LA and I was just like, you know what? I'm young. I'm fine. I know I have the relationships to get a job when I get out of college. Let me not worry about this right now. So went back to school after that week-long trip in LA partied my ass off, you know, just really felt this like confident energy that I never had in my entire life. Like when I was growing up, I was actually really shy and that's where, really, yeah, really, really shy. I was really insecure, really sensitive. And that's where I fell into the world of Twitter because I was connecting with other people that had common interests. I didn't, you know, just being in high school, it was, it was really weird for me. So the first time in my life, I actually had this like confidence boost. And so I'm in Syracuse, loving life, just enjoying everything, taking it all in. And then summer comes around and naturally I'm bored. And I'm like, I can't not be working on something. I ended up emailing my boss and I'm just like, Hey, let me go try it out for the summer. And everyone I was talking to about deciding whether to leave school or not, I, like I was calling everybody. I, like I can't even, all my internship supervisors, people at Syracuse, just anyone that I could talk to to get a perspective and every single person had a different perspective. Everyone. No, like everyone had different pros and cons. And, you know, people were even telling me if you ever want to like find a husband, um, 
boys think it's unattractive when a girl drops out of school. Like I heard it all. So wow. yeah. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, it's so corny and it feels like I made it up, but I remember just being so I, torn between everything. I would literally leave like, because I wasn't full time yet. I would just walk back from work and like, I would cry. Cause I would be like, I don't know what to do. And I don't know, there's no right or wrong. I didn't really have a mentor at the, oh, no, nor I'd still, I don't really have a mentor. Um, so I've actually, everything I've done, it's just my gut, um, telling yeah. what to do. So I think the ultimate decision really came from, um, a tweet or a quote, something that I saw that said, if your life ended tomorrow, what would you want to be doing right now? And I was like, I have my dream fucking job in LA. Who the hell gets called by Miley Cyrus and her team to come join their team? Nobody. So next day I was just like, I told my parents and I went to school and packed up my stuff and moved out to LA without anywhere to go, crashed with some family friends and figured it all out, you know, as I went along and it's been yeah. three years now. Well, I, I love that you took the risk and listen, you listened to your gut and that's also just what one of my mentors now has always said to me, yeah. like, you have to listen to your gut. You can ask a million people for their opinions, but if it feels right to you or if it doesn't feel right to you, then you know yourself better than anyone else. When you joined Miley's team initially, you essentially created your own position, right? It's weird because people introduce me to, you know, a new potential client as like, oh, you need to talk to Olivia. She's the guru of social media. And I'm just like, what? I think everyone knows how to use social media just in very different ways. And, and some people need that guidance of, you know, how to use the best features and what, what the current trends are. And, you know, I have a specialty, I guess, in super fans and audiences and that community vibe. I kind of created that, that role in entertainment. So for someone who maybe would aspire to enter a role like yours, can you just give us some examples of what you do work on? And listen, I know that your answer is not going to cover everything, obviously, but just so they can get a little taste of what you do. Yeah, I think overall, like my biggest thing is strategy and taking, taking ideas, taking visions and putting that into a more strategized plan of like, what brands should you be working with? What's the PR angle? What are you doing online? How are you being innovative with that vision? Um, for me, I find the most exciting thing like brand partnerships because you can take a big brand and tie that in with an artist's message and then there's a marketing campaign with it and what do the assets look like so I only found that because of what I do now yeah. so with Miley she had this massive converse drop with them and kind of took over their creative which is so cool because you know you can see converse as it's a brand and you might have your own perspective on you know if it's cool or not and what the style overall of converse is um and you know miley coming into their world and and adding her own spin to it it was really interesting to see you know the designs that that reflected her and you know the stores and the colors and all of that and but also having that converse brand identity to it and you know the collaboration on that was so cool for me to see and how it was rolled out on digital and you know the in-store appearances and one of the coolest things that I got to work on that I just remembered um tying in a fan element too where she literally casted her whole, her her fan base as the models instead of using um actual models she found fans from different places flew them out they got to model the clothes they got star in the campaign with her and then got to go on actual mall tour 
getting to create this world with Miley and Converse was really, really fun. And I just think like, you know, that's why I kind of love the brand space because there's so many ways to just implement a different sort of tone and put together a strategy and a plan and a social calendar. But with an, with artists or talent, it's their everyday lives. You're watching a reality show that you don't really know what's going to unfold. So you know, I, I just all the time just try and think about what exactly are we trying to say. And also another example is Black Mirror um, and, you know, Miley being Ashley O, which is a character with a script. And then also fusing that with her also releasing music and what her, what was she was trying to say with her music strategy, but also having a fictional character coming out that is also a pop star. So you know, being able to figure that out and, um, online and, you know, all the different campaigns we did, um, you know, we worked with Amazon with the Alexa and fans asked Alexa a question about Ashley. O. Ashley responded. And there were just so many fun ways to get creative with an artist at her level. Like there's so many opportunities and so many things to be thinking about whether like what do the fans want what does a general listener want from Miley versus a super fan and it kind of just turns into like understanding the fan base digital marketing brands like I like there's no conversation that I shut out I meet a lot of people from you know the brands world or um, different artists and different platforms that I'm constantly talking to so whether it's with Miley or not I feel like everything I'm doing is making me better at what I do. So I just say I work across every single thing in entertainment. I touched almost everything now. So in terms of social media, everyone, including celebrities, artists, influencers, are pivoting their content strategy during this time. I'd love to hear how you and your team are pivoting social strategies for your clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think right now is the most creative, most accessible time for artists, for influencers, for literally anyone. Um, There's no, again, there's no rules within the digital space, like whatever you're feeling and what, and any way that you can connect with your audience, whether you are an influencer and you're, you know, you're someone like Tana Mojo, who's, who's, who connects with the audience through storytelling. She's not a musician. Maybe she's put out a song, but, um, but her main thing is her brand and the stories that she tells on her blogs. And then there's artists that tell their stories through music and, you know, the lyrics through that. So I think right now is just the most interesting time for music and storytelling. Um, and, you know, obviously Right Minded was one of the biggest IG shows, Miley turning her Instagram platform into a talk show and letting artists and her friends control the narrative. She's not a talk show host. She doesn't have, she doesn't have a team like that, like a real talk show does. So her figuring out a way to still entertain because in her blood, she she's an entertainer and whatever capacity capacity that is, you know, she's does, she does it all. I mean, she's a singer, she's an actress, she's um, a comedian. <laughs> like she's, I mean, she, she does everything. Um, so I think once quarantine hit and she, she understands digital and, you know, she realizes there's a massive platform for her and with 106 million followers and, 
kind of turning that into a show for her and where she can, especially going back to like that everyday routine, you know, have that everyday routine where it feels normal. Like she's still entertaining. Nothing's changing. Still finding that way to connect with the audience and whatever the numbers were, it's still, there are still people sitting there watching, you know, I don't look at like, uh, Oh, the highest amount of viewers, like, you know, anyone that has viewers are still people paying attention to you. So it was an amazing experience to be part of, but yeah, no, seeing, seeing everyone and, you know, all, all types of artists getting creative right now and collaborating and finding ways to promote a single from their room and, you know, going on a zoom, going on a zoom with all their backup dancers and doing fun stuff. So it's actually been really, really cool to see everyone adjust to it. And I also think, you know, the digital space too, I feel like it was always put, you know, in the back seat for most companies, digital social media, people were always like the lowest, which is so insane to me because that's where everything is going. So I don't look, people, people have this like, uh, they have this perspective of social and digital people of like, oh, you know how to press tweet or post an Instagram. Cool. Like, n- like everything is going online. Everything you're doing, everything. So much more than that. <laughs> Literally every little strategy point is something that will eventually, is, is the only, the way you're getting it to them is through online. And exactly. now with even cheap, like you see the Super Bowl commercials, like that, those are all going online. People are sharing that. It's going viral online. So, and people are talking about it, the conversations online. So, so I'm lo- almost loving that this time also gives a lot of digital people, you know, that, that front, the driver's seat of all of it and their, their creative ideas being heard because every like CEO and exec is like, well, what are we doing online now? And now are a lot of, a lot of opinions and ideas matter from those people that, you know, might've felt like they weren't, they weren't as powerful. So it's, it's just really cool to see right now. Totally. Oh, same. I mean, that's also kind of why, I mean, before I relaunched season two of Girl Gaze, I had no idea how I was going to pivot because I had pre-recorded a couple of episodes and then I was like, you know what, this isn't appropriate to post these episodes that have no relation to what world we're living in today. So I took a little break and like gathered my thoughts together and was like, how do I do this? (laughs) Now I can't have people come to my New York City apartment where I film everything. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. No, I mean, it's super interesting. I feel like it almost challenges everyone because you really have to know who your audience is. Like bring it back to what you were saying. Like, you know, the fandom world. Yes. You know how to grab those people in. Yeah. Even with Miley, like she knows who she wants to have on her show because she knows who her audience wants to have. So it's all about knowing who your, who your niche is um, and kind of figuring out what type of content they want to see. 100%. I mean, it's crazy because a lot of people think that brands like, you know, this wine brand, I just said wine because I'm drinking wine. <laughs> This skincare brand or like this clothing brand, they have digital presences that, you know, post pictures and graphics and whatnot, but everyone has a brand, whether you're a celebrity, whether you're an influencer, whether, you know, you have a thousand followers, whether it's your freaking Finsta, it's a brand, which brings me to another point of social media. There are a bunch of quotes on phone cases that say social media is detrimental to your mental health. I'm sure you've seen them. Because your work is so social based, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's true. I think I've seen a lot of insecurity. I mean, especially living in LA and especially working with people that their lives are based on a following. Um, You know, it it really, really can take a toll on somebody. Um, But then it's hard because if someone's speaking out about it, it's like, oh, poor you, you've got this or you've got a good job. So it's almost like this insanely toxic world because you never know what you can be talking about. And if you are being honest, are people going to rip you apart for your honest opinion? So I have a love-hate relationship with social media. Um, because I, I did, you know, when, when Instagram was starting out, finding out ways to understand it, I was kind of posting that content that was like perfect life and, you know, perfect pictures and the best clothes and so obsessed with that, that lifestyle. Um, and I could see why it gets addicting because you're, you're feeling this validation from your likes and your comments. So when someone's like pretty, you think you're pretty and you know, and it's, it's really, really hard. Um, but I think if you know how to use it in a correct way and think about it positively. It is an amazing thing because, you know, you can use it to inspire people and maybe you're not directly DMing someone and maybe you can't because you have many followers, but the things that you do post, someone's watching it and you want to make that content that people actually are like, I like this. I don't want to skip over it. And I've never been someone that like followed influencers or YouTubers. I gravitate more towards artists and, you know, their music and that's how I fall into their worlds. But there have been like some influencers that I find myself like not skipping their stories because they are talking about things that I feel passionate about. And, you know, and I like that they're using it on their platform. So, and at the end of the day too, like we all are influencers, whether you have a hundred followers or if you have 20,000 followers, everyone's posting something for somebody or yourself, but it's going to be someone's watching it and they might take something from that, whether it is you posting the music you're listening to or a quote that you found or, you know, just uh, even a nice view and someone responding, where is that? I want to go. It's literally just changed this, you know, the way you communicate with people and networking. And I've, I, I, I'm so grateful for my Instagram because I've been able to connect and keep up with so many people that I never would have, you know, kept up with. And whether it is like once in a while, you know, you're talking to someone through DM and then it just feels like you've seen them or you've caught up with them. You don't need to be getting drinks all the time. And it's just a way to kind of I don't know, balance relationship. I don't, it's, it's kind of just a world. It's a world. So I'm, yeah, I love it, but I hate it too. (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel that. And I also love how you said that everyone is an influencer in their own right. It doesn't matter if you get one like, like you're still having some sort of effect on what, on that one person. Yeah. The other day I posted, um, like a, cute flat light picture because now I'm getting artsy. I guess on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) of some of my essentials. And I included a Glossier lip gloss. Um, actually literally have it right here. Influencer alert. And someone DM'd me from Syracuse and they were like, do you like that lip gloss? Like I'm thinking about getting it. Blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm a beauty influencer. Now I'm here. My skincare routine. No, seriously. But it is true. I love how earlier we were also talking about, you know, shifting your mindset to view Instagram as a mood board rather than be like an Instagram high highlight reel or just to use it to post pictures of you and your friends. At first I was kind of like, this is a reality show in my life. And I was like, I'm posting Mm -hmm. so much because I genuinely love like when I'm traveling or when I'm doing stuff that I enjoy, I want to be posting it. I'm not posting stuff that I, I don't like. Like, 
So I, I used to say it's it's my reality show and people are just tuning into my life and now I'm tuning into other people's lives. And, the, and then I kind of shifted my mindset to not that it's right or wrong, but now I'm kind of thinking of it as more of my mood board. Like when I really feel a song, I want to share it because I want other people to feel that song too. And I really just feel a certain vibe and a quote or a clip that I'm seeing, I'm just sharing it with people. And then, you know, sometimes I'll get a little insecure, like, oh my God, I'm being a little too preachy on my Instagram. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being a little too spiritual or motivational. Like I don't want people to be like, what is she, a motivational coach? But like, sometimes <laughs> I think about it, if that quote hits me, it's going to hit a few other people. And, 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 and it does because people respond like, oh, I needed this too. Today. And um, and I then see them share it, and you know, and um, even music. I met a girl in LA, and we just and we were both 24, and we had completely different paths. She knew, she was like so excited that I worked in the music industry, and um, we kept in touch. We're now like Instagram pen pals, and she that. responds to all my music stories. Like, thank you for showing me a new world in music, and I'm like that's crazy that you can do that. And even just, yeah, I mean, people that have a hundred followers, I'm, if I'm still, I don't, they're not any, they're not better or any like, or worse than anyone. It, we're all on the same level. So if I'm watching your stories and you're in an, an amazing place or a hotel or something, I'm just like, where are you? And it's like, Oh, my friend on Instagram refers this to me. So we're all, yeah, we are all micro influencers. That also brings me to a different topic of following people who are, being super inspirational, posting quotes that you like and content that you genuinely do enjoy. But sometimes, I mean, now we're going to bring up the productivity argument. If you're following people who make you feel some sort of way or anything other than inspired or happy, don't be afraid to unfollow them, especially during this time. I feel like, you know, we're always on our phones. So if you're not vibing with someone's content, that's totally fine. And, and I feel like in a way, once you start to kind of narrow down who you're viewing, or even if it's a friend or someone who you are connected with and you don't want to unfollow them, mute them. They, can't, they don't know. They, they don't have the notification. 100%. No, yeah. You're controlling this world that you're in. So if something's not working for you, then yeah, you don't need to tune in. You don't need to pay attention to their stuff. Um, and also, you know, I think it's also hard sometimes too, when you get, you go on Instagram, there's so many contradicting types of content. So it's like, you need to be doing this. Or if you're not using, I saw a meme. I was like, if you're not being productive during this time, then what are you really doing? You don't learn five languages during this time. And I'm just like, you are, everyone's doing okay. If you're having your bad days, that is totally fine. Like, that's the biggest thing for me is like, you, I, I am never forcing myself to do anything. I'm never going to force myself to attend a yoga class every day. Everything is what I'm feeling in the moment. And that's how I get to points of wanting to do something. So, you know, I, it's just so hard to go on social media and you just see people that are like grind, hustle, like you need to be doing this. But then there's people like take some time for yourself, but then your brain is like, well, should I be taking some time or am I missing it? Or am I going to be wasting time? And I think, you know, I finally found that balance of like, no, 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 I'm doing fine. I'm going to listen to what I want to do every day. And I feel the most productive I have ever been because I found balance. So I'm not telling anybody what to do. Everyone needs to find their own way, but, um, especially now, which is, it's just the weirdest time for people to go on social media and just see everyone doing everything, you know? No, totally. And I find that I'm definitely more productive when I care about what I'm doing. I mean, this podcast, taking the time to do this with you, you know, planning on my outline, 
I love doing this and like working with my Loki, I have four interns working with my interns and like coming up with, with content that is relatable to girls like us and to my audience. That's fun. So when, when you're working on something that you're passionate about and I'm like preaching to the choir right here, I'm a broken record. I say this on every single episode, but it's true. Like you are so passionate and I can tell by the way you speak about what you do about the music and entertainment industry and also just like marketing in general. If you really care about what you do, you're going to in turn be more productive. 100%. And that's the thing is I always tell myself the second things start feeling like work to me, I don't want to be doing it anymore. So, you know, I just, I'm constantly finding things that I'm so ex- genuinely excited about that I like feel like I'm annoying people because I just want to be talking about so many things. I want to be brainstorming around so many things. And yeah. I also love, you know, talking to people that are just as excited. Like, and I feel like I grew up a little bit fast because of my whole dropping out of college and, you know, entering the real world super early. So wow. I, I feel like, you know, I've gotten to learn a lot of things from the real world where I can like see it with people that I saw graduating and they're going through that similar. I'm like, no, no, no. It's going to be totally fine. You're going, to, you're going to feel certain ways about work and um, it's scary, but you're going to get through it. And like trying to help people find the right mindset about certain things, because I just hate seeing people being negative and, you know, falling into that negative hole and, and, and not really, and can't get out of it because everything's so hard and whatever. So, you know, just also being able to connect with an audience too, that really wants to, you know, work and be passionate and be passionate about what they do. Totally. Totally. I'm curious. You were saying earlier that you're always so creative. You're always, your mind is going in all different directions. Is there something that you've been working on recently that you were like, Oh my God, I want to do this. And then you hopped on a call with your team and then it happened. Oh my God. I mean, every single day I live, like my biggest problem is that I, I get excited about too many things. I mean, I'm just constantly, it's not a bad thing though. It's not, but it, I mean, it definitely has its flaws of like, you know, every there's, there's so many things that I'm cause every single person I talk to, not that, not that my relationships are all based around work, but there's always something that I can get excited about from yeah. talking to somebody and something that I just want to be doing, especially even like a podcast. Like I remember one day just like talking to someone, I was just like, they're like, you should be telling your stories or you should be, you know, t- telling this in a bigger setting. I'm like, oh my God, I need to do podcasts. I need, and that's why I think why I texted you and I would just like get so excited about something, but it's not just work. What, and what I do really get excited about is, you know, hearing a new song and being able to visualize, um, a, bo- a mood board of, with a song and the marketing ideas and, you know, kind of the message from that song. And I, that's my, that's my favorite thing. And I'll kind of, I, I sometimes need to stop myself. I'm getting a little bit too ahead of myself sending off ideas cause I'll get annoying, but I'll kind of like write down all my thoughts about something, put it in a mood board, kind of come up with a, a master strategy um, and then send that off when I'm ready. So my favorite thing is new music, but I just love new new conversations and new things that I, I didn't really know a lot about and just that's why I don't really shut off any industry you know just because it's not entertainment someone that's reaching out from a tech company you know that's not necessarily someone I work with on a daily basis but hopping on with them seeing what they're working on is there a way we can collaborate in the future that's kind of how my brain operates so every single day is new things. And, you know, maybe those, those ideas or collaborations don't come right away, but it's more for my brain to know that it's there. So I always tell like, if this doesn't happen right, right away, like 
I have you now kind of in my back pocket where, you know, if something from that world comes up, I know now, I now have the person or the, the brands or whatever that makes sense for it. So it's more like collecting in that, in that sense. So yeah, my brain is just, just always, always creating. And when it's not, then something's up and I need to, I need to figure out why I'm not feeling my best self, you know? Yeah. No, I am, we are so similar because I'm the same exact way. Like my brain is constantly going, especially now with this podcast that like I'm trying to create different content that resonates with my audience. Right, right, right. I I mean, sometimes I have to like hold back and texting my interns because last night I realized I was like, holy shit, it's literally two in the morning and it's not appropriate for me to check right now. (laughs) So, you know, I put it in my notes and then I'm like, all right, I'll send it tomorrow morning instead. Yeah, no, I'm I'm uh, constantly always just thinking about everything everything and even just call, like even I love that you do that uh, the realization of the week too because it's like that's something too like I've just started to journal during quarantine and it's like I want to remember all of these thoughts and even like the thought about finding Harry Potter as my escape and shut off that somehow tied when I was journaling it somehow tied to wow fandom is has always been something in my in my life that's so crazy that my shut off is now kind of what I do. So that finding those threads within, you know, whether that's from my mental sanity, but now to my work, it's all so interesting. I know. It's so funny because I feel like a lot of people made fun of Kylie Jenner when she said this years ago. Her her video, it was a new year, and she goes, this was the year of realizing things. (sighs) Bitch, it is. Facts. I'm curious if you can share with us any amazing moment or like highlight in your career that you've done with Miley or any of your other clients. Oh my God. It's, it's also crazy because it sucks, but, um, I feel like once you enter a job that you're really excited about, there comes a time where those things that were once really, really exciting aren't that exciting anymore. Um, and it's, and it's just, it's hard to say because I know there's so many people like dying to go to the Grammys or dying to go to the, so many of these things. And I think, you know, once I got to certain things, I was just like, I don't feel anything. And, and that kind of sucks. And I was talking to someone the other day about just like LA, um, in general is I'm always social. I'm always going to events and, um, I would start burning myself out and, and taking on more than I can handle because I, you know, I'm getting older. I can't always be out and about and partying and drinking. And My I remember literally last like 24 hours. Now. No, it's, it's crazy. It's, I feel like an old lady, but, um, in LA, like, especially like Grammys week, which is the most intense week for someone in the music industry. My first Grammys week, I was working nonstop because Miley was performing, but I also had all these parties that I had to be at because wow. blah, blah, blah. So I pushed myself to an insane level that the night before the Grammys, I was like, I am dreading going tomorrow. And like, that is a, a place that I never thought I'd get to. Um, so maybe that's not a highlight, but, um, maybe more of a realization for me, but I think, you know, do I, oh, okay. Best experience of my life, you know, and career life this fall, I, I think, cause I, every, every, if you it'll ask, change next year, it'll, it'll yeah, it'll change next week. But something that always sticks out to me is, um, uh, an Instagram panel trip that I did with um, Instagram music team. We went to Brazil, we went to Mexico and Miami. It's like, that's sick. How did that happen? I'm really close with um, Fadia who runs music partnerships. And, you know, she's just, she's someone I admire in the music industry. All the different 
worlds and experiences that she's done. I mean, it's mind blowing if you listen to her. Um, and we had a really good relationship and she loved my story and she's such a visionary and I, and I love, you know, being able to watch her on Instagram and, you know, kind of seeing what she is trying to accomplish within the music industry and, and the music community. And, um, I, I, she was basically bringing to Instagram an idea of instead of just doing some, you know, basic workshop for all these different territories of Instagram, she wanted to bring actual people that work hands-on with artists and, you know, being able to give some of the tips and tricks to their Brazilian market and their Mexican market and, um, and really talk about talk, um, doing it with artists and how they connect and really connecting with the fans. So I think me, you know, coming from that fan background was a big plus and it was a really young team and we all kind of came from that fan background. So it was this great, great team to go with, um, to all these different places. That's so cool. So who else is on the panel and how many people did you speak in front of? Um, so it was three panels and it was, it was, um, Jackie Augustus who runs Scooter Braun Projects Digital and then Spencer Moya who's at Interscope and he works on Billie Eilish and Lady Gaga. Um, and I've known Jackie for a while just because she was also from a fan world. She ran Bieber Army. Um, so we've kind of known each other from that Twitter space for a while, um, and the panels, I, you know, I think I didn't know what to expect. We kind of just like flew down to all these places and had no idea if it was going to be an auditorium or a tiny room. Um, each one was different. I would say max, maybe like a hundred people. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really fun and intimate. That's so cool. Were you nervous? Yeah, it was my first panel ever. Um, I was kind of freaking out, but it was really helpful that it was in a foreign place because <laughs> I would, I have trouble talking about things in front of people that I already know. I just I just choke up. I get really, really nervous. Um, so it was really nice to do it in front of people that I just had never met before and then got to um, talk to all of them after. Also, you know, a lot of them took us, a lot of the Instagram people in different, in these different places took us out to, you know, their local restaurants and stuff. So it kind of warmed us up to, you know, just get to know a lot of them there. I love that. That is such a huge accomplishment. Um, you should be so proud of yourself for that because that's sick. A memory came up the other day of um, my text chain with my team about, uh, it was like a year since Old Town Road came out. I completely forgot that I took over um, Billy Ray's digital for the release of Old Town Road Remix, the biggest song in history. And I was like, how did that even slip my, like because of all the things I've done and worked on, everything becomes a blur. And I'm like, I literally worked on the top, like, a song that was on the billboard number one charts for how long broke the record. And I'm like, I cannot believe I can, I I'm surprised by this memory and it's only uh, been a year. So listen, I yeah. we weren't at Syracuse at that time, but that song is playing at every single frat. I love that. <laughs> oh, I would have been on the speakers. <laughs> Curious. What, what did you do? Like what did that entail when you took over the Instagram? Uh, well, it wasn't Instagram. It was more like the digital presence. So, you know, the content that was coming out um, around the song because the song was already a beast. And then Billy Ray hopping on it was just such a cultural moment. So kind of taking advantage of the memes, the conversation that was happening online and what content we were putting out and the statements we were putting out. So overall, just strategy um, for the release. And that, I was kind of helping lead that. Which was, like, crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. But like build the hype up before, during, and after it was released. Yes. Yes. I'm like, what, and I mean, I, I, it can tie into anything. I mean, what performances, what, you know, hopping out at Rolling Loud. And there's just, there's so many different things that um, co- goes into one song. So, you know, just kind of overall strategy. Yeah. I think it's so interesting. I mean, I've loved our conversation that we've had. It's just so interesting that what goes behind one song, what the work that goes behind one bright minded episode is so much bigger than the end result is. Right. And I think that that's something that I didn't really realize until I entered the real world. And for me, obviously it's fashion. So it's a little different than music and entertainment, but for me to see every single step that goes into a cover shoot, I mean, it's a journey to get from, oh, we're going to have Regina King or whoever on the cover to actual cover shoot is released. It's crazy. I mean, I didn't even think, I didn't even know. And it's not even just your job, which is coming up with ideas and being creative and strategizing. And then there's also the admin work. And I mean, the stuff that happens behind the scenes in the music industry, but also your second job, which is networking, because the music yeah. industry is built off networking, who you know, because a lot of these ideas and collaborations come from already who's in the room and who who's throwing out suggestions. And that's why I kind of like to expand my mind of knowing more people, knowing what's happening, you know, what new platforms are out there. Because if we're strategizing, what would be the best thing to work with on this? Or what's the best artist? I'm already know like, oh, this this is top of the chart. Maybe this would make sense. So I think that's my approach to a lot of it is just staying really culturally connected and you know so that it's always on top of the mind because I think a lot of people think like and maybe this maybe I shouldn't be saying this but a lot of people think it's like I mean and 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 people do use data and stuff but a lot of it's also just suggestions a great suggestion that was thrown out in the room you know I'm sure even with magazines like who do we think should be on the cover and then one person pops up and it's like oh they just did this because I was they happened to be watching a show and that came up and now they know that so they can throw that out so it's so interesting how like if you if you really think about how these come things come to life it's really just a few people in a room brainstorming yeah and and i also feel like each of those people also need to have a real pulse on culture or fashion or whatever you know they're talking yeah. about yeah because as you were saying you might not use analytics to come up with an idea initially but once you kind of play around with something and then you throw it up there then obviously you use the analytics to see if it's good or not yeah um, yeah yeah i also just find it so interesting that um this fashion editor chrissy rutherford came on the previous episode and she said that her job at harper's bazaar changed as the industry changed because when she entered the magazine industry there were no websites. She entered it right when the website started. So as you can see, like their Instagram didn't exist. I don't even know if Twitter existed back then. So, you know, obviously we can see in retrospect how the digital space changed then, but now, I mean, the same thing is going to happen when you think in 10 years from now, the job that I have will be so different. Yeah. 100%. And I think too, like back to the music industry, it constantly is changing. And back to the whole thing of like how now it's all digital. Anyone can break through the noise with their talents and whether it's singing, songwriting, uh, being a photographer, being just a content creator, comedy actor, like 
it's all online right now. And you're just seeing that like every single day, a new person is going viral and they're kind of, and they're taking advantage of it where it used to be. This is who's famous. This is the movies. This is who's on your radio. And when you're going to malls and stuff, it's being fed to you and forced to you. And now it's the opposite where it's like, I want to be, I want to be a TikTok star. So I'm going to put in some, you know, I'm going to come up with some creative ideas, get involved in the trends and you could be the next TikTok star, which is, in it's like mind blowing that how how much it's changed and how any single anyone can be a, a celebrity right now anyone and it's kind of dangerous in a sense too because some people aren't really made to be a star and yeah. you know you know mentally they might not be able to handle it everyone has a very different perspective and mindset and you know again back to like Instagram you know the common stuff can hurt someone way more than it hurts someone else. Someone else might have a more positive mentality. Um, so just, yeah, some people can't handle that fame. Um, and some people don't even have the staying power because you see too with Vine gone, a lot of those Vine stars, where are they now? Yeah. And then when TikTok's done, where are those, who's going to have the staying power? And there's very few of those like internet celebrities like the David Dobricks and Tana Mojo that, you know, have really done a good job at building a fan base. So they're going to stay. They are, they are a, a new celebrity, but not everyone's a star. There's very few like a little Nas X or Doja Cat who's now getting TikTok hit, TikTok hit, and now it's resonating with the general public too. So um, yeah, it's all, it's just an interesting space in general. Yeah, no, totally, totally. I have loved our conversation genuinely. Like we need to schedule a monthly call yes. for us to like catch up. Oh, I love this. Yeah. I'm so happy that like going back to DMing people, you literally DM me. was like, let's, let's record podcast. I like sharing thoughts and ideas yeah. with, and I don't want it to just be my notepad. I want it to be with real people that, you know, want to hear stuff like this and yeah. know each other. And, you know, we have easy com- conversation. So it just feels right. You know? Yeah. So the last question that I'm going to ask you, what advice would you give to girls who want to land their dream job? Land their dream job. Um, you know, it's so cheap. It's so crazy because you hear all these people, especially celebrities growing up, being like, follow your dreams. And it becomes this like cliche thing. And I'm like, and I, I think about it, I'm like, it's actually not that cliche because that's exactly what I did. Like, I, when I created the fan account, I wanted to work for Miley and in the music industry. That was my dream job. So the fact that I literally made that happen is mind blowing to me. Going after anything you genuinely feel passionate about. And like I was talking to this girl yesterday who just graduated UCLA and she's been like really hungry and wants to help me and um, kind of help intern for me. So I was just talking to her and she was like, she's like, I, I kind of feel like I'm underqualified to work for you. And you know, I don't have, I, I don't have the experience. I'm like there's no experience needed to work with me, whatever you're excited about and you want to tell me about or what you you genuinely see online and you're passionate about and you think there's a cool innovative way for me to work on it just send that to me there's no you know there's no requirements and i want you to be excited like even today i was like telling her about the podcast i want her to know what a podcast looks like and you know how it's how it ran and you know i think people and especially me i was so insecure any job any internship that i i, I was at i was like I'm not qualified for this. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm like, I don't have enough experience to be doing this or my opinion doesn't matter on this. And I just, I just realized like the only way I'm going to know is if I just fucking do it and figure it out. Amen. Because even when I started my job, you know, first job out of college, 
I learned a lot on the go. Yeah. You're not going to know everything. No. You won't. Even when you are a director at some company or the, or the director of your own company, yeah. the landscape, especially now that everything is really reliant on digital, yeah. that's going to change so much. So you're constantly going to be learning. Like no one is ever going to know everything. And also the leaders that claim they do and the execs that are like, I'm more experienced. They're the ones that aren't in touch with anything. And they're actually, they're actually losing by not getting newer perspective. Cause that's when people are like, Oh, they're, they're ran by, they're run by like old school people. We don't really, they, they don't know what's going on. It's because they're stuck in that mindset of not letting new ideas and ways that, that everything's changing in. So the ones that are actually open to the new, the, especially the people that were already on the digital space and understanding the digital space are winning right now because they were open to that beforehand. So, you know, no one knows everything. And I think once you realize that, and it took me a second when I, you know, was first out in LA and like, Oh, these people are all professionals. They've been in the music industry for so long. And then I realized no one knows everything and they're still going to learn from me. So being able to bring the things that they're going to learn from me into the room. And, you know, that makes me feel really good. And, you know, feel like I'm valuable to people. And I think people need to stop being so, you know, insecure about their talents because everyone has specific skill sets that, you know, every, everyone does, whether they know it or not, you're going to figure it out, you know? Agreed. And I also just think like our, our age is actually a benefit because we grew up in the digital world. Yeah. So you created your Twitter because you were young and like, we, we grew up about this. Older people have to now learn about this. So that's actually an advantage when you were saying before, you know, our perspective is useful. You just need to find the people who want to hear it. Everything you're doing in your daily life, think about it and think about the skills that you're gaining from that. Even if it sounds so stupid for me, like even going on my walks and being able to get on calls and balancing that too. Like that's a skill set that I'm learning now. And I know I can do that wherever. So it's just like every little thing can be applied to your job. So just thinking like that. Totally. Before we head out, I would love to end with the gaze goal of the week is a realistic self-care goal for the upcoming week. My episodes are released on Sundays and I know that we're in quarantine. So sometimes the days seem to mesh together, but I love starting the week off on a positive note. And I I feel like setting a realistic self-care goal is super motivational, but also attainable. So I'm curious what yours is. I mean, definitely keeping that, you know, the shutting off really a priority for me, especially going into the weekend right now. I have done many, many calls. I can't even keep track how many people I spoke to this week. And I just want to be able to let myself shut off and really understand, like, even if, even if it's a beautiful day and I feel like I want to get on calls and be creative again, like let my brain rest a little bit and do some of the things I actually feel like doing. I love that. For me, I really want to find an online subscription, like workout class that I want to join. Um, I'm the type of person who loves going to the gym physically twice a week or going to a workout class. I'm not really a workout from home type of person. Right, right. So it's been a challenge to get myself motivated to do a workout unless I'm literally forcing a friend to do it with me yeah. all this time. <laughs> Shout yeah. out to my friend Taylor. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, I think I might try Melissa Wood Health because I've heard mm, amazing things about yeah. her. And yeah. I think once I finally find that one person who I'm going to continuously go to and, you know, set that structure that I desperately need, yeah. Yeah. Um, It'll, it'll be great. And then I'll actually look forward to it rather than trying to kill myself with like a rumble class 
and like die of heat after. Yeah, I'm doing anything that I feel like in the moment. So one day I'm just not feeling like doing abs. I'm not going to do abs. So just staying in that consistent, whatever I feel, I feel like I want to do and, you know, just pulling up those workout videos and that's it and going with it, you know? Olivia, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad we did this. And thank you guys for tuning in. I freaking love you guys. You already know that. And I'm just so happy that I've been able to connect with super cool people during quarantine and share our conversations with you. So be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow on Instagram at girlgazepod and me at Taylor Bradford, of course, for the behind the scenes look at the pod. Also, I'm pushing out really awesome content on girlgaze's Instagram. Shout out to my amazing four interns who you will probably meet soon on there. So yeah, go check it out. And if you want to meet Olivia virtually, I uploaded an IGTV today. So yeah, go check that out as well. And let me know what your favorite part of this episode is. And I'll see you next Sunday. Bye guys.